story brought to you by Refuge Ministry Canada. For the next half hour, your heart will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T, and my guest today is Linda Bjork. She's a best-selling author, speaker, host of Linda's Corner podcast, and founder of Hope for Healing Nonprofit Charity. Some of her books include Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, and the Amazon bestseller, You Got This, An Action Plan to Calm Fear, Anxiety, Worry, and Stress. Linda's personal mission is to empower people to become their best selves. How are you doing, Linda? I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. I am so excited to be here, and I love what you're doing. So thank you for bringing people's stories and the miracles that God is part of our lives and helping people be aware of that. I think that's awesome. It is awesome. And it's so inspiring. Like I get to hear every single one and it is very motivating for sure. And it does help. We all have struggles in our life, mountains that we have to climb and valleys that we have to go through. I've read your bio and a lot of what you're involved with surrounds the topic of hope. Tell me about your journey of hope and how that led you to where you are today. Thank you. I love the whole concept of hope. And we know that, of course, our hope comes through Christ and our relationship with God. However, I have learned it's very interesting that our relationship with God is very intertwined with our own personal beliefs. And one of the things is the way that we view ourselves. My personal story is I was raised in a a wonderful Christian home with fabulous parents. We went to church every week. I read scriptures every day. I prayed every day, all of these kinds of things. But when I was a little girl, we had a crisis that took place in the family and it took my parents their attention. And as a little girl, when they were kind of emotionally cut off because they were dealing with other things. I interpreted it that I don't matter. I am not important. I'm invisible. And that kind of thought that was put in my mind when I was six years old, trying to understand the world became my template for decades, Johnny, decades where I thought, okay, I don't matter. I don't matter. Thinking of it that way, my relationship with God was that he is good, but he doesn't care about me because I don't matter. I'm not important. And that is the way that I felt. Then as years and years and years pass, and I'm an adult and I'm going through my own issues. And then I had a a series of events that just flattened me. And I ended up going into depression. I struggled with social anxiety. I was miserable and wished that I could cease existing. It was horrible. And I didn't feel any hope. I thought I'm stuck. This is as good as it gets from here on out. This is it. This is my new life. This is my new reality. I was in that spot for about five years, but almost no one knew because I was really good at masking. I mean, I could smile. The smile didn't reach my eyes, but I could smile with my mouth. And most people had no idea. Then my sister, who was training to be a life coach, she invited me to this women's retreat that she was planning. She actually had no idea what I was going through, but 
when I got her invitation, I thought, no way. There is no way. First of all, I can't stand being around other people, strangers, day and night for three days. I got to be able to escape. I can't handle this. And second of all, there is no hope. There is nothing that she's going to say that's going to help me. I am trapped. I am stuck. There's no point. So even though I didn't want to go, the idea wouldn't leave my mind. I thought, okay, I guess I'm going to do this. And so I gathered up my courage and I went. And that decision changed my life. Some of the things that she taught me and some of the questions that she asked were things that I personally needed to hear. Some of the questions that she wanted us to think and ponder and answer were, what are my thoughts about myself and my relationship with God? And two is, what are my thoughts about God? And then the third part of that question is, what are my thoughts about what God thinks about me? And when she asked those, I thought, well, he doesn't know I exist and he doesn't care. And that was pretty much the way I felt, even though I was a devoted Christian. I thought it was very one way. I worship him. He ignores me. Honestly, that's the way it felt. And then after this retreat and just some aha moments, she coached me. I had her coach and work with me and heal and pull out of that darkness. And I equate it with being in a dark hole. And she lowered a ladder down into my deep, dark hole so that I could climb out back into the sunshine. And as we talked about this, as I was in a much better place, about her experience that she needed to host this retreat. She said, Linda, I had this impression. It it was so strong. It was almost like it wasn't my choice that I had to go to this other women's retreat. And when I got home, it was now you do one. And she thought, I I don't want to do that. I don't know how to do that, but she did. And then as we talked, she said, I didn't know why. But now I know that it was for you. It was for you. She said, I didn't know. I didn't even know you were having a problem. I only knew that I had to do it. And that was so beautiful. As we talk about miracles, my sister had no idea what I was going through. Johnny, she didn't. Mm -hmm. But God did. And he let her be my guardian angel to save me from a place of horrible darkness. So to me, hope is so important. It is so important. And I believe that every journey begins with hope. My message to everyone is is two parts. One, you're not alone. And two, there is hope for healing. I think that's so important, even in this day and age, with all of the darkness that surrounds us and all of the struggles that people have. And yet, God showed himself to you in such a deep personal way. God who created the universe took the time to speak to your sister to say, okay, Linda needs help. Maybe not in those words, but through the actions, just to prove to you that he's there for you and your unique needs. And I think everybody that's listening to that today needs to understand that. I have unique needs. Everybody's listening has unique needs. 
It's hard when you're surrounded by the society we live in, the TikTok world, the YouTube world, the instant gratification world, but it's all so empty. And where's the hope in those things? I don't feel hope in those things. And I don't personally spend a lot of time there because it doesn't make me feel fulfilled. What do you spend your time doing to build your hope? You obviously had that initial recognition of God's hand moving in your life and meeting you. So how did you cultivate that? Daily things or or things that became apparent that you needed to do to cultivate that hope in your heart and develop that relationship with God? There is a scripture in Matthew 22, I believe it's verses 36 through 40, where Jesus talks about the first and second, the first great commandments. He says, first is we have to love God. We have to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And the second is we have to love our neighbor as ourself. Now in that, there is implied, although not stated, a third commandment. And that is we have to love ourselves. It is learning how to love myself that the changes took place. I think that is where a lot of the hope comes in, is that recognizing the way that we see ourselves. You know, I understand that what is going on in the world, what we see, is not necessarily what is. It's what we see. We have Mm -hmm. a tendency to project our ideas onto the world around us. I've heard it stated as you're at a theater and there's a a movie screen and the screen is where the movie's playing, but you can on that same screen, see a whole bunch of different movies. The movie is actually coming from the projector and our mind and the way that we see things is our projector. And we project our own story on all the things that are going around. And when we don't, like ourselves, when we don't love ourselves, when we don't value ourselves, then we have a tendency to project that onto everything else. It's like, well, God can't love me because I'm not lovable. And where did that idea come from? Did it come from him? No, it came from me. That was me projecting my ideas and my thoughts onto someone else. So going through a process of recognizing and believing that I have value and liking myself was very big. And part of my mission now to help other people is I started a nonprofit charity called Hope for Healing, where we help people to be able to increase happiness, to be able to build confidence and self-esteem, to help work on their relationships and manage stress and overcome feelings of depression and anxiety. Because the way that we feel, the way that we see things is then going to be interpreted on our relationships with other people, on our relationships with God, on our business, on our families, on everything. It all starts with us, with the way that we are and the way that we show up. That's very true. We were talking about that the other night in our group meeting, just about how we project Christ to the world around us. But if Christ doesn't live in us, we can't project Christ to the world around us. And it's the truth of what he's done in our heart that gives us the message of the gospel to change people's lives and give them hope. It's so important. I know you talked about your ministry deals with depression. Do you find that through your interaction with people that are reaching out to you through your ministry and and from your books, that's a growing problem these days? Absolutely. I don't know if when you say growing problem, 
it probably is growing, but I also think it's a human nature problem. It's so normal to feel like I'm not good enough. I don't matter, all these kinds of things. And there's a lot of hopelessness, a lot of fear that is projected in the world right now. Fear and faith don't really go together very well. Fear is expecting a negative outcome and faith involves expecting a positive outcome. And that's really what hope is, is is it's expecting a positive outcome. It's that positive expectancy. I think there is a lot of that. What do you see for demographics in terms of people that you minister to? Do you see a, a larger group of a certain experienced group of people and people that grow up from broken homes or people that are uh, dealing with addictions or people that are struggling with issues of understanding who they really are in God's eyes, as you mentioned in your own journey? Do you see a larger group of people in this time? You know, when you're thinking about demographics, I think that these feelings, which are part of human nature, are absolutely universal. But I also believe that as we speak and we share our stories, that we have a tendency to resonate with a certain demographic. And that's why we have to have so many people sharing stories that are really very similar. And we tend to be able to resonate with people who I don't know, somehow that they can relate or associate with you. So it's not only people who look and sound like I do, but there's something where there's a connection where it's the way that you spoke matches. I can feel it. And I've talked to so many people who said, oh, I've read so many stories and I've heard so many things and I don't get it. I don't get it until I read this person's story. And then all of a sudden it clicked. I feel like I'm, I'm a piece of the puzzle. I don't say I have a corner on the market of any particular demographic, but I do know that there are people who the way that I speak and the way that I communicate, that is that missing piece that can help them click and say, ah, oh, ha, 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 ha. Okay. Because like I said, I did not come from a broken home. I did not come from some of the other things that you might expect but I still felt like God does not know me. He does not care about me. He does not love me. And so those kinds of things that can reach anyone, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yes. We hear a lot of stories of many people on the show who, like yourself, were raised in a Christian home, no problems whatsoever in life. And yet they still came to that place where they just felt that they weren't right with God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't love me because it's me. It didn't need a reason. It was just, there's something wrong with me. He just doesn't love me. I think that is a key point, especially with younger people. I think there is a huge issue with what we're seeing in the world that young people are aligning themselves with and pursuing because they don't have that confirmation in their heart that they're loved. So they have to reach out in dramatic ways sometimes to get people to love them when in fact God loves them just as they are. Exactly. And sometimes as we're trying to get other people to love us, we lose ourselves. We don't even know who we are. So if we can learn to love ourselves, it also involves figuring out who we are, not who Johnny likes. What, what do I have to be like so that Johnny will like me? I am me. And then we can be authentic, then we can be real, because we know who we are, and we like who we are. 
And then from there, if you are your real self and with confidence, then you'll find that those people who are comfortable and like that are drawn to you. It doesn't mean that every person in the world is going to love me and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But there are people who will love me. There's a line in The Greatest Showman that I really love. You don't need to make everyone love you, just a few good people. (laughs) True enough. We know that God's our creator and God creates us all uniquely with different purpose, different vision, different gifts and talents. But he says that our gifts will make room for us. I think it's so important that we understand. I can't help it if God made me as a type A personality. Why should I have to defend that? That's just the way I'm built. That's the way God made me. I shouldn't have to defend that to anybody. And I think that when we can all come to that understanding, as you said, this is how God made me and I should be happy about that. And he has a purpose for it. I think that's a fantastic thing. I do too. I love that. And he made us so that we can grow and progress. It's not just, this is how he made me and there's nothing I can do about it. It's, this is how he made me. And so this is my spot where I can learn and stand and grow and I can grow and I can lift from where I am. Amen to that. For somebody that's just starting to have that understanding that they need to seek more about God or reach out to God or or determine who they really are and, and start that journey, what would you give them as a kickoff point, a tangible thing to do to start that journey? Things that I teach, things that I share on my website are actionable steps, small, simple action steps. Because when we do things, it changes the chemistry in our bodies and in our minds. And one of the things that is incredibly effective for when you're trying to change the way that you see the world, the way that you see yourself, and learning to be kind to yourself is gratitude. So many studies have been done on what gratitude does for our minds. It's incredible. It helps to stimulate the prefrontal cortex, which is where our conscious thought takes place so that we're better able to act rather than to react. It also stimulates the medial prefrontal cortex area, which is one spot in the brain where there is a direct connection between our emotional brain and our thinking part of our brain. And that helps us to be better able to be in control of the way that we feel. It also helps to increase the neuroplasticity of the brain, which helps us to be able to heal better. It helps us to be able to change. It helps us to be able to grow. And I love that there has been research done. A group of people who are struggling with severe depression, they asked, we want you to write three things that you're grateful for every day and just see if that does anything. No other changes, just write three things they're grateful for. 15 days later, they checked with them and they found that 94% of the participants had noticed an improvement. Hmm. They had either raised from severely depressed, which is where they started up to moderately or to mildly depressed. So it didn't solve all of their problems, but it is an excellent beginning. And that was, I mean, a little more than two weeks, Uh, simple things like writing in a gratitude journal, thinking of the ways that we can be grateful for 
having that uh, mental shift from what's wrong into what's right. It changes your focus, it changes your outlook. And if we can also be kind to ourselves. Another thing is if those negative thoughts are going through your mind, like I am a screw up, I can't do anything right. I I am this and that and the other. And we get caught in that self-talk that is so damaging to stop it simply by saying, I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. If we could treat ourselves with the same kindness and respect that we would treat a friend or even a stranger, we would be in so much of a better place. We have a tendency to think that we need to be kind and respectful to other people, but we forget that we need to be kind and respectful to ourselves. The things that were going on in my head, like I am, whatever, I would never say that to you. Never. I would never. But somehow we think, well, it doesn't count. It doesn't count as being mean if I'm saying it to myself. It doesn't count. Well, then I'm saying I don't count, which is what I figured was the truth, but it wasn't. So stop that. I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. And then write three things you're grateful for. I think those are a couple of great places to start. Absolutely. And that lines up very well with the scripture you shared in Matthew about loving our neighbor as ourselves. Tell our audience where they can find your website and your books. Okay. It's called Hope for Healing. The website is hopeforhealingfoundation.org. And we have free ebooks. We have free audio courses. We have free resources, a whole bunch of wonderful things. I have also written several books like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, you got this, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. And you can find those on Amazon. And there's also links through the website. And then my podcast is called Linda's Corner. And you can find that at anywhere you listen to podcasts and at lindascornerpodcast.com. Thank you so much. I want to ask you one final question, as we typically do on our podcast. What one thought would you give people about God? Hmm that he loves you, not everyone, but you, he loves you. Amen to that. And that's so important. Yeah, it really is. Thank you for being on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you about how important it is that we recognize our relationship and God's love for us. I know that we're going to see your message tonight really touch some hearts. So thank you again for being here and God bless you. Thank you. i
that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.